BetterHelp.com, you deserve to be happy. After therapy, individual, couples, teens, the world's largest therapy service, 100% online. Professional licensed and vetted therapists who you can trust. Tap into the world's largest network of licensed, accredited, and experienced therapists who can help you with a range of issues including depression, anxiety, relationships, trauma, grief, and more. With BetterHelp therapists, you get the same professionalism and quality you would expect from an in-office therapist, but with the ability to communicate when and how you want, get matched to the best therapist for you, answer a few questions, <coughs> to find a therapist who fits your needs and preferences, tap into the largest network of licensed professional board certified providers, communicate your way, messaging, chat, phone, video, talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, therapy when you need it, message your therapist anytime from... Anywhere, no scheduling needed. Schedule a live session at a time that's convenient for you. Connect from your phone, tablet, or computer. Good morning. Today's true crime story is Lee Harvey Oswald, Part 2. Return to Dallas. On October 2nd, 1963, Oswald left Mexico City by bus and arrived at Dallas. The next day, Ruth Payne was said that her neighbor told her on October 14th about a job opening at the Texas School Book Depository where her neighbor's brother, Wesley Frazier, worked as for Mrs. Payne informed Oswald, who was her inter- who was interviewed at the depository and was hired there on October 16th as a $1.25 an hour minimum wage order filler. Oswald's supervisor, Roy S. Truly, 1907-1985, said that Oswald did a good day's work and was an above-average employee. During the week, Oswald stayed in a Dallas rooming house under the name O.H. Lee, but he spent his weekends with Marina at the Payne home in Irving. Oswald did not drive a car, but he commuted to and from Dallas on Mondays and Fridays with his co-worker Wesley Frazier on October 20th, a month before the assassination. The Oswald's second daughter, Audrey, was born. FBI agents twice visited the Payne home early in November when Oswald was not present and spoke to Mrs. Payne. Oswald visited the Dallas FBI office about two to three weeks before the assassination, asking to see Special Agent James P. Hosty when he was told that Hosty was unavailable. Oswald loved to note that according to the receptionist, read, Let this be a warning. I will blow up the FBI and the Dallas Police Department if you don't stop bothering my wife. Signed, Lee Harvey Oswald. The note allegedly contained a threat, but accounts vary as to, to whether Oswald threatened to blow up the FBI or merely to report this to higher authorities. According to Hosty, the note said, If you have anything you want to learn about me, come talk to me directly. If you don't cease bothering my wife, I will take the appropriate action and report this to the proper authorities. Agent Hosty said that he destroyed Oswald's note on orders from a super superior Gordon Shanklin after Oswald was named the suspect in the Kennedy assassination. John F. Kennedy and J.D. Trippett's Trippett shootings. In the days before Kennedy's arrival, several local newspapers published the route of the presidential motorcade, which passed the Texas School Book Depository on Thursday, November 21st. Oswald asked Frazier for an unusual midweek lift back to Irving saying he had to pick up some curtain rods. The next morning, the day after the, day after the assassination, 
He returned to Dallas with Frazier. He left $170 and his wedding ring, but took a large paper bag with him. Frazier reported that Oswald told him the bag contained, contained curtain rods. The Warren Commission concluded that the package of curtain rods actually contained the rifle that Oswald was going to use for the assassination. One of Oswald's co-workers, Charles Gibbons, testified to the commission that he last saw Oswald on the sixth floor of the Texas School Book Depository TSPD at approximately 11.55 a.m., which was 35 minutes before the motorcade entered Ely Plaza. The commission report stated that Oswald was not seen again until after the shooting. However, in the FBI report taken the day after the assassination, Gibbons said that the encounter took place at 11.30 a.m. and that he later said, saw Oswald reading a newspaper in the first floor domino room at 11.50 a.m. 20 minutes later. William Shelley, a foreman at the deposit, also testified that he saw Oswald making a phone call on the first floor between 11.45 and 11.50 a.m. Jensen Eddie Piper also testified that he spoke to Oswald on the first floor at 12 p.m. Another co-worker, Bonnie Ray Williams, was eating his lunch on the sixth floor of the depository and was there until at least 12.10 p.m. He said that during that time he did not see Oswald or anyone else on the sixth floor and thought he was the only person up there. However, he also said that some boxes in the southeast corner may have prevented him from seeing deep into the sniper's nest. Carolyn Arnold, the secretary to the vice president of the TSBD, informed the FBI that as she left the building to watch the motorcade, she caught a glimpse of a man whom she believed to be Oswald standing in the first floor hallway of the building just prior to the assassination. As Kennedy's motorcade passed through Dealey Plaza at about 12.30 p.m. on November 2nd, November 22nd, Oswald fired three rifle shots from the sixth floor window of the book depository killing the president and seriously wounding Texas Governor John Connolly. One shot apparently missed the presidential limousine entirely. Another shot struck both Kennedy and Connolly, and the third bullet struck Kennedy in the head, killing him. Vice President James Tager, Tag received a minor facial injury from a small piece of curbstone that had fragmented after it was struck by one of the bullets. Witness Howard Brennan was sitting across the street from the Texas School Book depository and watching the motorcade go by. He notified police that he heard a shot come from above and looked up to see a man with a rifle fire another shot from the southeast corner winner on the sixth floor. He said he had seen the same man minutes earlier looking through the window. Brennan gave a description of the shooter and Dallas police subsequently broadcast descriptions at 12.45 p.m., 12.48 p.m., and 12.55 p.m. As the second shot was fired, Brennan recalled this man I saw previously was aiming for his last shot and maybe paused for another second as though he to reassure himself that he had hit his mark. According to the investigations, Oswald hid and covered the rifle with boxes after the shooting and descended through the rear stairwell. About 90 seconds after the shots rang out, Oswald was encountered in the second floor lunchroom by Dallas Police Officer Marion L. Baker who had his gun drawn. The patrolman was accompanied by Oswald's brother, Roy Truly. Baker made the mistake of letting Oswald pass after Truly identified as an employee. Baker and Truly incorrect assumed that Oswald was not a suspect because he was an employee of the building. According to Baker, Oswald did not appear to be nervous as or out of 
Redfern, truly said that Oswald looked startled when Baker pointed his gun directly at him. Mrs. Robert Reed, a clerical supervisor at the bustle who returned to her office within two minutes after the shooting, said that she saw Oswald was very calm on the second floor with a can of Coca-Cola in his hands. As they walked past each other, Mrs. Reed said to Oswald, the president has been shot. The president has been shot to watch the mumble, mumble to, to which he mumbled something in response, but Reed did not understand him. Oswald was believed to have left the deposit to the front entrance just before police sealed it off. Truly later pointed out to officers that Oswald was the only employee that he was certain was missing. At about 12.40 p.m., 10 minutes after the shooting, Oswald boarded a city bus. Probably due to heavy traffic, he requested a transfer from the road and got off two blocks later. Oswald then took a taxi cab to his rooming house at 1026 North Beckley Avenue and entered through the front door at about 1 p.m. According to his housekeeper, Erlene Roberts, Oswald immediately went to his room, walking very, pretty fast. Roberts said that Oswald left a very few a very few minutes later, zipping up a jacket he was not wearing when he had entered earlier. As Oswald left, Roberts looked out the window of her house and last saw him standing at the northbound Beckley Avenue bus stop in front of her house. The Warren Commission concluded that approximately that, that approximately 1:15 p.m., Dallas Patrolman J.D. Tippett drove up in his patrol car alongside Oswald, presumably because Oswald resembled the police broadcast description of the man seen by witness Howard Brennan, who fired shots at the presidential motorcade. He encountered Oswald near the corner of East 10th Street and North Patton Avenue. His Location is about 10, 9 tenths of a mile, 1.4 kilometers southeast of Oswald's rooming house, a distance that the Warren Commission concluded Oswald could have easily walked. Tippett pulled alongside Oswald and apparently exchanged words with him through the right front or vent window. Shortly after 1.15 p.m., as Tippett exited his car, Oswald immediately fired his pistol and killed the policeman with, him, with four shots. Numerous witnesses heard the shots and saw Oswald flee the scene holding a Revolver. Nine positively identified him as the man who shot Tippett and fled. Four cartridge cases found at the scene were identified by expert witnesses before the Warren Commission and the House Select Committee was as having been fired from a revolver for the revolver later found in Oswald's possession, excluding all other weapons. However, the balls taken with Tippett's body could not be positively identified as having been fired from Oswald. Oswald's revolver as the bullets were too extensively damaged to make conclusive assessments. Arrest at the Texas Theater. Store, chief store manager Johnny Brewer testified that he saw Oswald ducking into the entrance alcove of his store. Suspicious of his of this activity, Brewer watched Oswald continue up the street and slip without paying it into the nearby street theater, where the movie was where the movie War as Hell was playing. He alerted the theater's ticket clerk and who telephoned police at about 1.40 p.m. As police arrived, the house lights were brought up and Brewer pointed out Oswald sitting near the rear of the theater. Police officer Nick McDonald testified that he was 
the first to reach Oswald and that Oswald seemed ready to surrender, saying, Well, it's all over now, McDonald said. Then Oswald pulled out a pistol, tucked into the front of his pants, then pointed the pistol at him. He pulled the trigger he pulled the trigger. And uh, and pulled the trigger. McDonald stated that the pistol did not fire because the pistol's hammer came down on the weapon between the thumb and the index of his hand as he grabbed for the pistol. McDonald also said that Oswald struck him, but they, but that he struck back and Oswald was disarmed as he was led from the theater. Oswald shouted he was a victim of police brutality. At about 2 p.m., Oswald was taken to the police department building where homicide detective Jim Level questioned him about the shooting of Officer Tippett. When Captain J.W. Fritz heard Oswald's name, he recognized it as a book deposit employee who had been reported missing and was already a suspect in the assassination. Oswald was formally arraigned for the murder of Officer Tippett at 7.10 p.m. and by early the next morning, shortly after 1.30 a.m., he had also been arraigned for the assassination of President Kennedy. Soon after his arrest, Oswald encountered reporters in the hallway. Oswald declared, I didn't shoot anybody and they've taken me in because of the fact I lived in the Soviet Union. I'm just a patsy. Later at the immediate press meeting, a reporter asked, Did you kill President Did you kill the president? And Oswald, who by that time had been advised of the change of murdering Tippett but had not yet been arraigned in Kennedy's death, answered, No, I haven't been charged at that in fact nobody has said that to me yet. The first thing I heard about it was when the newspaper reporter in the hall asked me that question. As he was left, led from the room, the question was called out, What did you what did you do in Russia and how did you hurt your eye? Oswald answered, A policeman hit me hit me. Police investigation interrogation. Fake Selective Services a draft card in the name of Alec James. Heidel was found on Oswald when he was arrested. A. Heidel was a name used on both envelope and order slip to buy the alleged murder weapon CE773 and A.J. Heidel was the alternative name on the New Orleans Post Office rented in June 11, 1963 by Oswald. Both the alleged murder weapon and the pistol of Oswald's possession as the rest had earlier been shipped at separate times to Oswald's cell PO Box 2915 as ordered by A.J. Hiddell. <coughs> Oswald was interrogated several times during his two days at the police headquarters. <coughs> he admitted that he went to his rooming house after leaving the book depository. <coughs> he also admitted that he changed his clothes and armed himself with With a 38 revolver before leaving his house to go to the theater. However, Oswald denied killing T- Kennedy and Tippett, denied owning a rifle, and said two photographs of him holding a rifle and the pistol were fakes. He denied telling his co worker he wanted a ride to Irving to go to get curtain rods for his apartment. He said that the package contained his lunch. He also denied carrying a, <coughs> carrying a long, bulky package to work the morning of the assassination. 
also died knowing that A.J. Hiddell father was then shown a forged Slicker service system card he bearing his photograph and the alias Alec James Hiddell that he had <coughs> at the time of his arrest. Oswald said, refused to answer any questions concerning the card, saying, You have the card yourself. <coughs> you have the card yourself and you know about and you know as much about it as I do. FBI Special Agent James P. Hosey and House Police Captain Will Fritz, Chief of Homicide, conducted the first interrogation of Oswald on Friday, November 22nd, when Oswald was asked to account for himself at the time of the assassination. He replied that he was eating his lunch for in the first floor lounge, known as the Dominover. He said that he went. He then went to the second floor lunchroom to buy a Coca-Cola from the soda machine where he was drinking it when he encountered Dallas motorcycle policeman Marion <coughs> L. Baker, who had entered the building with his gun drawn. Oswald said that while he was in the Domino room, he saw two Negro employees walking by, one he recognized as Junior and a shirt man whose name he could not recall. Junior German and Harold Norman confirmed to the Warren Commission that they had walked through the Domino Room around noon during the lunch break. When they asked if anyone else was in the Domino Room, Norman testified that somebody else was there, but they could not remember who it was. German testified that Oswald was not in the Domino Room when he was there. During his last interrogation on November 24th, according to Postal Inspector Harry Holmes, Oswald was again asked where he was at the time of the shooting. Holmes, who attended the interrogation at the invitation of Captain Will Fritz, said that Oswald replied that he was working on the upper floor when the shooting occurred, then went downstairs where they encountered where he encountered Dallas motorcycle policeman Marion L. Baker. Oswald asked for legal representation several times during the interrogation, and he also asked for assistance during encounters with reporters. When H. Lewis Nichols, president of the Dallas Bar Association, met with him in a cell on Saturday, he declined their service, saying he wanted to be represented by John Abt, chief counsel to the Communist Party USA, Arby, lawyers associated with the American Civil Liberties Union. Both Oswald and Ruth Payne tried to reach Abt by telephone several times Saturday and Sunday, but Abt was away for the weekend. Oswald also declined his brother Robert's offer outside to obtain a local attorney. During the interrogation with Captain Fritz, when asked, are you a communist? He replied, no, I am not a communist. I am a Marxist. Murder. On Sunday, November 25th, the Texas went, were escorting all through the basement of Dallas Police Headquarters toward an armored car that was to take him from the city jail located at the, on the fourth floor of police headquarters to the nearby county jail. At 11.21 a.m. CSD Dallas nightclub operator Jack Ruby appeared. Jack Ruby approached Oswald from the side of the crowd and shot him once in the abdomen at close range. As the shot rang out, a police detective suddenly recognized Ruby and exclaimed, Jack, you son of a bitch. The crowd outside the headquarters burst into applause when they heard that Oswald had been shot. An unconscious Oswald was taken by ambulance to Parkland Memorial Hospital, 
the same hospital where Kennedy was pronounced dead two days earlier. Oswald died at 1.07 p.m. Dallas Police Chief Jesse Curry announced his death on a TV news broadcast. At 2.45 the same day, an autopsy was performed on Oswald in the office of the County Medical Center, Dallas County Medical Earl Rose. <coughs> announced the results of the gross autopsy. The two things that we could determine were first that he died from a hemorrhage, gunshot wound, and that otherwise he was physically healthy male. Rose's examination found that the bullet entered Oswald's left side and in the front part of the abdomen and caused damage to his spleen, stomach, aorta, vena cava, kidney, liver, diaphragm, and the 11th rib before coming to rest on his right side. A, tel- a network television pool camera was broadcasting live to cover the transfer. Millions of people watching on NBC went into the shooting as it happened and on other networks within minutes afterward in 1964. Robert H. Jackson of the Dallas Times Hill was awarded the Pulitzer Prize for Photography for his image of the murder of Lee Harvey Oswald by Jack Ruby. Ruby's motive? Ruby later said that he had been distraught over Kennedy's death and that his motive for killing Oswald was setting Mrs. Kennedy from the discomfiture of coming back to trial. Others have hypothesized that Ruby was part of a conspiracy. G. Robert Blakely, chief counsel for the House Select Committee on Assassinations from 1977, said that the most plausible explanation for the murder of Oswald by Jack Ruby was that Ruby was had stopped him on behalf of organized crime, trying to reach him on at least three occasions in the 48 hours before he silenced him forever. Burial Miller, Miller home, had great difficulty finding a cemetery willing to accept all those remains. Rose Hill Simpson and Fort Worth can't eventually agree. A Lutheran Reverend and reluctantly agreed to officiate, but then it failed to appear. Reverend Lewis Sunday of the Fort Worth Council of Church Churches of Volunteers saying that someone had to help his family. He performed a brief graveside service under heavy guard on November 25th. Reporters covering the burial were asked to act as pallbearers. Oswald's original tombstone, which gave his full name, birth date, and death date, was stolen. Officials replaced it with a marker simply inscribed Oswald. His mother's body was buried beside his in 1981. A claim that a lookalike Russian agent was buried in place of Oswald led to the body's exhumation on October 4th. 1981, dental records confirmed it was Oswald. Remains were buried in a new coffin because of water damage to the original. In 2010, Billy Peter Home employed at Los Angeles Auction House to sell the original coffin to an autonomous bidder, anonymous bidder for $87,468. The sale was halted after Oswald's brother Robert, 1934 to 2017, sued to reclaim the coffin. In 2015, a district judge in Tarrant County, Texas, ruled that the funeral home intentionally concealed the existence of the coffin from Robert Oswald, who had originally purchased it and believed that it had been discarded after the ex- exhibition and ordered it to re- return to Robert Oswald along with damages equal to the sale price. Robert Oswald's attorney stated that the coffin would likely be destroyed as soon as possible. Official Investigations, Porn Commission. President Lindy, Lyndon B. Johnson issued an ex- executive order that created the Warren Commission to 
investigated the assassination, the commission concluded that Oswald acted alone in assassinating Kennedy, and the Warren report could not ascribe by anyone motives or group of motives to Oswald's actions. It is apparent, however, that Oswald was moved by an overriding hostility to his environment. He did not share have been able to establish meaningful relations with other people. He was perpetually discontented with the world around him. Long before the assassination, he expressed his hatred for American society and acting in protest against it, against it. Oswald's search for what he conceived to be the perfect society was doomed from the start. He sought to for himself a place in history, a role as the great man who would be recognized as having been in advance of his times. His commitment to Marxism and communism appears to have been another important factor in his motivation. He also had demonstrated a capacity to act decisively and without regard to the consequences when such action would further his aims to of the moment. Out of these and the many other factors which may have molded the character of Lee Harvey Oswald, there emerged a man capable of assassinating President Kennedy. The proceedings of the commission were closed, though not secret. Approximately 3% of his files have yet to be released to the public, which has continued to provoke speculation among researchers. Ramsey-Clark panel In 1968, the Ramsey-Clark panel examined various photographs, X-ray file films, documents, and other evidence that concluded that Kennedy was struck by two bullets from above and behind him, one of which traversed the base of the neck on the right side without striking bone, and the other of which entered the skull from behind and destroyed his right side. House Select Committee. In 1979, after a review of the evidence of prior investigations, the United States House Select Committee assassinated HSCA, largely occurred with the Warren Commission and was prepared to issue a fi- finding that Oswald had acted alone in killing Kennedy. However, late in the committee's proceedings, a Dick Belt recording was introduced, purportedly recording sounds heard in Dealey Plaza before, during, and after the shots. After analysis by, by the firm Bolt, Baranek, and Newman appeared to indict more than three gunshots, the HSCA revised its findings to assert a high probability that two gunmen fired at Kennedy and that Kennedy was probably assassinated as a result of a conspiracy, although the committee was unable to identify the other gunmen or the extent of the conspiracy. It made a number of further findings regarding the likelihood that a particular group regarded in the findings were involved. Four of the twelve members of the HSCA dissented from this conclusion. The crystal edges has since been discredited. Officer H.B. McLean from the motorcycle rail of the HSCA, the crystal edges said the dictabelt evidence came. He has repeatedly stated that he was not. He, has, he was not yet in Dealey Plaza at the time that assassination McLean asked the committee. It, it, it was my radio on my motorcycle. Why did it not record the revving up at the highest speed? Plus my siren when he immediately took off for Parkland Hospital. In 1982, a panel of 12 scientists appointed by the National Academy of Sciences, including Nobel Laureates Norman Ramsey and Louis Alvarez um, unanimously concluded that the acoustic evidence submitted to the HSCA was seriously flawed, was recorded after the shots, and did not an- indicate 
additional gunshots. Their conclusions were published in the journal Science. In a 2001 article in the journal Science and Justice, D.B. Thomas wrote that the NAS investigation was itself flawed. He concluded with a 96.3% certainty that at least two gunmen fired at President Kennedy and that at least one shot came from the grassy knoll. In 2005, Thomas's conclusions were rebutted in the same journal. Ralph Linsker and several members of the original NAS team reanalyzed the timings of the recordings and reaffirmed the earlier conclusion of the NAS report that the alleged shots sounds were recorded approximately one minute after the assassination. In 2010, D.B. Thomas challenged the 2005 Science and Justice article and restated his conclusions that there was at least two gunmen. Backyard photos. Around March 34, 1960, Mariana took pictures of Aldo as he posted with a Carcana rifle, a holster pistol, and two Marxist newspapers, the militant and the worker. The pictures were shown to Oswald after his arrest, but he insisted that they were forgeries. In 1961, Marianne testified before the war that she had taken the photograph at Oswald request using his camera. Testimony she reaffirmed repeated, repeatedly over the decades. These photos were labeled CE-133A and CE-133B. CE-133A shows the rifle in Oswald's left hand and this was in front of his chest in the other. While the rifle is held with the right hand in CE-133B. The carcano and the images had marking, markings matching those in the rifle found in the book deposit after the assassination. Oswald's mother testified that on the day after the assassination, she and Mar- Marina destroyed another photograph with Oswald holding the rifle with both hands over his head with, with To My Daughter June written on it. The HSCA obtained another first generation print from CE 133A on April 1st, 1977, from the window of George D. Mornschilt. The words Hunter, Hunter Offices, ha ha ha, written in black Russian, were on the back. Also in English, were added in script to my friend George Lee Oswald, 5 IV 63, April 5th, 1963. Handwriting experts for the HSCA concluded that the English inscription was, and signature were by Oswald at the two original photos, one negative and one first generation copy had been found. The Senate Intelligence Committee located in 1976 a third backyard photo CE-133C showing Oswald with newspapers held away from his body in his right hand. These photos are widely recognized as someone of the most significant evidence as some of the most evidence against Oswald have been subjected to rigorous analysis, photograph experts consulted by the HSCA concluded they were genuine, answering 21 points raised by critics. Marina Oswald has always maintained she took the photo herself, and the 1960 Demore print bearing Oswald's signature clearly indicate they existed before the assassination. Nonetheless, some continue to contest their authenticity. In 2009, after digitalizing, the photograph is also holding the rifle on paper. Computer scientist Haney Farad concluded that the photo almost certainly was not altered. Other investigations and dissenting theories. Some critics have not accepted the conclusions of the Warren Commission and have proposed several theories, several other theories, such as that Oswald conspired with others or was 
not involved at all and was framed. A Gallup poll taken in mid-November 2013 showed 61% knew that Kennedy was killed as a result of a conspiracy and only 30% thought Oswald acted alone. Oswald was never prosecuted because he was murdered two days after the assassination. In March 1967, New Orleans District Attorney Jim Garrison arrested and charged New Orleans Commission businessman Clay Shaw with conspiring to assassinate President Kennedy with the help of Oswald, David Perry, and others. Garrison believed that the men were part of an arms smuggling rings of arms smuggling ring supplying weapons to the anti-Castro Cubans in a <coughs> in a conspiracy with elements of the CSA to kill Kennedy. The trial of Clay Shaw began in January 1969 in Orleans Parish Criminal Court. The jury acquitted Shaw. Several films have fictionalized a trial of Oswald depicting what may have happened had, had Ruby not killed Oswald. The trial of Lee, Har- Lee Harvey Oswald, 1964. The trial of Lee Harvey Oswald, 1977. And on trial, Lee Harvey Oswald, 1986. Have imagined such a trial. In 1988, a 21-hour unscripted mock trial was held on television, argued by lawyers before a judge, with unscripted testimony from surviving witnesses to the events surrounding the assassination. The jury returned a verdict of guilty. In 1992, the American Bar Association conducted two mock Oswald trials. The first trial ended in a hung jury. The second trial ended. The second trial, the jury acquitted Oswald. Thank you for listening to this second episode of Lee Harvard Oswald. Stay tuned next week to the next episode of uh, Jack Ruby, who was the one who killed Oswald. Thank you for listening to this, and have a safe and happy Halloween.